Ready to go? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> On February 8th, 2004, two AT aliens from around Headland and Delo became the biggest musical act in the world. I say that not as a matter of opinion, but as a matter of fact. On this date, the Mighty Mighty Outcast won not only a Grammy in their category, they won in their category. You know, the white one, the album of the year one. Big Boy and Andre's Box Chevy shaking new album, Speaker Box Love Below, barely qualified for Grammy consideration as it had been released on September 23rd, 2003, just seven days before eligibility ended. In the four months it had been released, it had already sold 3.1 million copies, according to Uproxx. The Way You Move and Hey Ya are obviously the songs that catapulted this record to the nether regions of outer space. But in the words of the late great Bowen Holmes hero, Shawty Lowe, God damn, must be two sides. Much like the city of Atlanta, if you only hang out in Buckhead of hit singles, then you're missing out on the Campbellton Road album cuts like Bust featuring Killer Mike, Flip Flop Rock featuring Jay-Z, or the lustful leg and labia anthem spread. Or the enthralling yet eerie four minute and 50 second unbroken stream of consciousness that is a life in the day of Benjamin Andre. Why is all this significant? Does this album age well? What does any of this say about us or the South or the world for that matter? Peaches and players, this is the Something to Say podcast. John. <laughs> that was masterful. Thank you, that was... I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you feel like you were giving your I have a dream speech? Because that's, how it, that's what it felt like to me. I feel like I was watching Dr. King. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, it's a very empowering thing. Wow. I didn't know you was coming like that. Yeah. I wasn't I mean, ready. I, I figured that that's like a good, like, all right. All right, all right, yeah. I, I, just, I just wasn't ready. Like, there was no way I could just transition into anything. <laughs> like, I had to stop. Yeah. I know it's been a minute, but this is the Something to Say podcast. We should reintroduce ourselves, shouldn't we? Season two. Oh my God. So this is Christina. You just heard Ja. Yes, this is Ja. And this is Yo. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming from the shadows. Come again, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was like a real Bruce Wayne-ish yo that you gave him right there. That was real dark night to show you. Oh my God. I Be can't believe we're approaching like 15 years like since this moment. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like fifteen years, but I guess nothing that long ago feels like what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, I had listened to this album in a long time, and going through it, I realized that I hadn't listened to this album in a long time. At okay. least not like going straight through it. Okay. And the first thing I thought about when I went to the album to look at it, and I was scrolling down like the the titles, the track list. 40 songs on this album now this interlude some of them are all, all songs but there are 40 tracks on this album it mm-hmm. clocks like two hours and 15 minutes right and this is the biggest album in the world at one point and nowadays we all we do is bitch and complain about <laughs> 35 song <laughs> albums 
And this 35 song album sold like 11 million records. Right. And like, I don't know, what does Chris Brown album do? Is it, is it maybe gold now, I guess? Maybe. streaming? Yeah, it should be. But like, it wouldn't have sold 700,000 copies of his 37 song album or whatever, 42 song, whatever ridiculous ass number of songs he did. Mm-mm. Yo, what did you think of this album? Well, I was in middle school when it dropped. So when I got acquainted with Outkast of the singles, I enjoyed the singles immensely like the rest of the world. They were everywhere, inescapable. But going back to the album now, I went with Ja. It hit me how crazy, how long it was. Yeah. You know, the Migos just did a double disc last year. And you like, this is too much music. It but felt f- way too much. But for this Outkast album, for whatever reason, it's very seamless despite the length. You know, like the big boy have flows really well, as so does Andre's. So it almost seems like being concentrated and merged into a double album, you do get two albums, but you feel like you, you're you getting like a, two movies. You know, oh, like yeah. you sit down, you watch two movies. It doesn't feel like you've been there for three hours. It feels like you enjoyed two really good films. So I feel like that's what they accomplished with this one is making sure that both sides had this balance of length and also like representation. It feels like this is what Equimini should have been. The two sides. You get both Big Boy and Andre in their fullest selves. Mm. Mm. I yeah. think that, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Because like, I feel like that was the major selling point at this mm-hmm. juncture, right? Um, I was reading like an old Guardian feature with like Andre 3000. And he, like, he's described as having like sideshow bob hair, whatever that means. But like for the most part, the... Um, the biggest takeaway from this actual piece is that Andre 3000 isn't listening to hip hop at all. And he's making very clear about that fact. He is, he is taking his DJ to like the hives or like a stroke show and having his DJ like fall asleep because like, he's just not about that shit. He's, listening to, <laughs> he's just, he's listening to buzzcocks. He's listening to square pusher because he feels like, like he's too constrained by this hip hop genre. Even if it mm. is like the all expansive Southern hip hop that he and Alcast basically helped create. Right. So it's with these two al- di- with these two albums, you definitely get two distinct albums as opposed to like a sequel that feels like a remake, liter- a literal yes. remake of like the first stuff that you first installation that you got, right? Yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, I think the idea that he wasn't listening to any hip hop whatsoever is pretty clear in the fact that he had like a Rosario Dawson feature on here. He had Nora Jones on his album. <laughs> like, I were were any. Were any has there been another? This is the first time that a group did a like a split album like this, right? I can't think of any other. Has anybody else done that before them? No, I mean I a hip hop so. group. I don't think so. Not not in hip hop. Let's yeah, put it that right, way. Yeah, Definitely yeah, not, not in hip hop. Right. Yeah. Because it's like they had to, the label had to come up with this whole other strategy where it's like we're gonna send two singles exactly into the stratosphere mm-hmm. to sell this double album, to sell this idea, and to show that they're distinctly like distinct ideas what a ballsy move i know that's what i'm saying really ballsy move (laughs) a big part of the press around the album was are they still together you know i feel like every album people were like they're getting further and further apart right so literally splitting the albums creates this kind of mania of what's up with them are they good are they not good is this like a ploy of keeping outcasts together even though they want to go separate ways right it was a lot of just 
not necessarily controversy, but a lot of questions around this album. And even like, what is Andre gonna do? What is Big Boy gonna do? And you see, Big Boy's side is like stacked. You got Jay Z, you got mm-hmm. Ludacris, got Killer Mike, twice. you got Killer Mike twice. You know, he's making the rap album. Yeah, you know, sure. especially when you you were making the rap album. Once you have notoriety, once you have the money, once you kind of have the fame, you get the big features, you get mm-hmm. the big sounds, yeah. and then you got Andre's like, I'm gonna make a Prince album. How about basically, it? <laughs> basically, basically, he's like, I'm gonna go Prince. And he went full Prince, yeah, not halfway. All the way he went all the way Prince, and he just rapped at the end of the album. You know, that's the, to me. That's like the most amazing the part of it all. Like, I did all of this like Prince alternative, extra yeah. wild shit that you weren't even expecting me to do. Then I'm just gonna rap for like five minutes straight. Straight. <laughs> like, what's a hook? <laughs> there's no hook. There's no intro. Like, I think that beat plays for exactly two seconds before he starts rapping. Yep. And then he raps it all the way down to like the very minuscule small parts that it breaks. Oh man, that shit is beautiful. But to your point about are they breaking up or not, they really only, I think that Andre is only on one song on Big Boy's side and Big mm-hmm. Boy is only on one song on Andre's side. Well, Andre does the hook on Ghetto Music yep. and I, Big Boy. Big Boy's on Roses. On Roses, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And other than that, that was pretty much it for them like crossing over into each other's space. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I I definitely wondered at that time, like, were they going to break up? But it didn't seem like they had beef. Mm. Like, if it seemed like if they were going to break up, it would be like a breakup that would be about, I want to go over here and make more Prince music, and I don't want to <laughs> do the group thing. It's yeah. Something like that. But I never looked at it like, oh, they have a problem with one another. But, I mean, I guess things got tense at some point, because at least that's how it seems they've shaken out. Since that, since then, I mean, I think they're good now, obviously, but like, I mean, you gotta remember, Andre was, I feel like not as keen about hitting the road. Yeah, they he didn't sold, like those things. Like it went that. diamond, you know. Think about all the money you're turning down when you're not performing this album. Right. No, so, I was just about to say, like, with the Super Bowl. Speaking of which, since Big Boy just performed that, like, we have to remember that Outkast ended up turning down the halftime show yes. this year. Specifically because Andre 3000 did not want to do it, and this is a like, like as we're saying, at like the pinnacle, at like the absolute height of their fame. The top of the like, yes. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about the Super Bowl is and the Grammys are almost always around the same time. So you're talking about uh, imagine performing the Super Bowl and then going the next week and winning a Grammy for album of the year. Like it's it's a wrap. Like highest level of visibility you yeah. can have. So, yeah. I mean, imagine how many records, how many more records they might have sold after the Grammys. Right. You know, I mean, of course they went diamond, but that moment tends to be huge if you deliver. And yeah. I think at this time where they were doing, you know, everything that seems so left, imagine them on TV. Yeah. What they could have done or what they could have pulled out. Well, the, to me, that like in talking about the significance of the album, the part to me that I was struck the most was that when they won the Grammy, this is an album that went diamond plus. I think is I don't know. I was trying to find what the exact number was. Yeah. The only thing mm-hmm. I can find is eleven million, which I guess is plenty. But <laughs> the fact that they had I mean this album had been out for what four months, five months. Yeah. Uh-huh. When they won the Grammy and it sold three million copies. Right. In those four or five months and you know, from that time it came out. So to be that close to not even being eligible. And then winning the Grammy and then the album going on to be selling 11 million copies. Like, that's crazy. Right. All right. 
Especially when you consider the competition at that time. Like, I don't even remember who else was nominated for, like, Album of the Year. But wow. I just remember, like, I think Hey Ya was up for Record of the Year. Yeah. Along with Beyonce's Crazy in Love. But then they ended up losing to Coldplay's Clocks. Mm. Oh, my God. The furrowed brow. Mm. Mm. That hurts. That don't taste good. <laughs> that don't taste good. But speaking of competition, something I thought was funny that I... <laughs> When I was listening to this album, when I was listening to a Big Boy side and on Flip Flop Rock, um, you know, it's, it features Jay-Z and Jay-Z doesn't, he does the hook. He doesn't rap until like maybe three, three and a half minutes in. Uh-huh. And like in my fan, like I love Jay-Z, but like in my fan fiction, fantasy, hip hop world, Big Boy just relegated Jay-Z to the hook because <laughs> in 2002 when Ho said, uh, only dudes moving units in Pimp Juice and us. He didn't say Outcast. Outcast was coming off Miss Jackson and and oh and, 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 and uh, all of that shit. And I'm like, so you said the, you act like Outcast wasn't selling. Like they didn't sell. I don't, I don't know what the exact number on that album was. What they end up selling, but I know that was like a triple, a quadruple platinum album. You know what? I you did not like, consider that. Yeah. You so so in my mind, they probably was like, yeah, he's gonna do the hook. I'm <laughs> gonna let him rap. No get Jay Z down here. Tell him to come down here so he can do these hooks for us. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how really I wanted to be. Though, because like I feel like, in some sense, Alcaz does get it roses, but sometimes in some respects, especially when you compare it to other acts that are on different coasts, mm. they don't get the same respects. Yeah. Like I know Kanye's 808s and Heartbreaks has gotten a lot of respect for like um like bringing vulnerability to hip-hop right as mm. if we're ignoring this whole ass album where like andre 3000 is just being like this lift lothario type yeah. it's just like where were we good point the love below to me the recognition it received in the last couple of years because there was more of a shift into alternative kind of like r&b where andre was kind of like situated himself in versus all the way rap or all the way one way or another it was very alternative and i kind of feel like yay was alternative but we recognized him as a rapper you know i think he did auto-tune so it was a change to his voice i think andre was just always so different we never could peg him one way or another of course he was celebrated as a rapper but he would just do things that continue moving left and yay would do the same things but he was always in like the the kanye space right versus andre just jumping and doing this crazy concept album with just no no middling no transition well yeah i was gonna say i feel like andre got to it fast like, yeah it he got like to it fast southern playlistic and then all right fuck that shit i'm an alien and then it was like no looking back from there right like he was by the time he got to criminal he was like morphing into like elite grand wizard alien like you know the fuzzy boots and the, the wig and the whole nine like yes kanye didn't give it like kanye waited till like five albums in it's kind of like a grown man who's like you're 39 and now you want to get like your first tattoo and <laughs> your, your ears pierced now like and now we're worried about you it's over it's a midlife crisis <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. like, like ados was yeah, like a yeah, midlife yeah. crisis it plays differently when you uh, wait that long right. to do it like andre <laughs> just got right to it yes i'm a weirdo fuck what you think <laughs> And there it is, but I don't <laughs> I know. I feel man. like I feel like we're starting to answer this question, but um, I'm wondering, like, from your perspective, as you're looking back at this album and at this particular moment when they win the Grammy for Album of the Year, do you think this album aged well, or do you think this moment aged well? Yeah, I mean, 
it's first of all, I mean, it is still the only rap album to win album of the year, and hip hop is bigger now than it was then. Yeah, significantly bigger. Significantly bigger, and for whatever reason, no one has been able to not Drake, not Kanye, not Kendrick, not. I mean, the the to win hip hop album of the year, you're gonna pretty much have to come with the hits and the artistry and everything else. I don't even know. I can't even imagine who's gonna be the next hip hop act to win album of the year. Mm, mm. Like if if it, if it hasn't been Drake by now, then do you do you not believe in Cardi B for this year, this Grammy? This I would I would out? love her to win this one. And I think she has a chance. How much of a chance? It's still probably a long shot a little bit, but I think the chance is there. I just don't know if they're going to reward. If they're going to really reward her, that's mm. the dopest shit to me. I mm. just don't know if they're going to go that far. Mm. We mm. like you, but we don't like you that much. That's why I said in the intro, it's like that's their yeah. category. Well, like they don't. Hold on, we'll come back to this. Yeah. I want to. I want to touch about how how this album that, that age. age, right? Yeah. I'm super interested in how we'll talk about Big Boy's influence in the next couple of years because I feel like we always talk about Andre and the Love Below and how people kind of recognize what he was doing, started to see him as a blueprint for alternative direction, while Big Boy just really doubled down on being a rapper from the South, you know, but. The way he gives perspective to me is so poetic, but southern. You know, mm-hmm. like he doesn't have a quill. There's not a quill. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. It's like a pen covered in red clay. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's how he writes to me, and there's like a fluidness to his to his style. But I don't know if Big Boy will ever get credit for an album like Speaker Box because of how left Andre went. Sure. You know? Is hip hop moving further left versus like doubling down on its roots? Would right. you say? Right now? Like it's kind of like peer, well, since in the, like, the 15 years since Speaker Box and Love Below. Like, where are we as the genre? You know, are we, are we closer to what Andre was headed toward? Or do people recognize how rap has just continued to do as Big Boy did? Like, find its strengths and go full, full throttle with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because I think this also is relevant to Outkast Grammy win, right? I think there's no question that Outkast should have won that year because if you compare it to what... I don't even remember what the hell else is out there. When Santana is cheering for you at that <laughs> stage, you know you've done something right, right? But um, I do wonder if there is some sort of respectability factor between acts that gun like completely go for southern hip-hop and be as complete of a southern hip-hop document as speaker box was or compared to like when folks like try to sing a little bit does that make any sense Mm. so i wonder honestly whether it's with the music industry or whether it's the grammy industry whether they reward hip-hop as opposed to music that aims to like break those constraints even if it's trying to do with Prince Impression if that makes any sense like if you look at these conversations where like Kanye gets regarded as a rock rock star and he wants to be seen that way when you look at how all these other acts have tried to like break that mold and sing a little bit more I wonder if it's because they feel that hip-hop isn't as respectable enough of a genre to like you know win on its own merit yeah to garner its proper praise based off just the foundation basic shit as opposed to going so right so which is why i wonder like it's interesting that 
Outkast became the first had the first rap album. If you don't count the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, which also like yeah. toyed with R and B, like ha- it's interesting that Outkast became the first act to win the rap Grammy. But they're also the last act to win that album of the year Grammy that's in hip hop. Mm-hmm. We have to ask ourselves like, why is that? Hmm. How is it possible that hip hop is the genre of our generation and that's not reflected at all? like in these award shows where Jay-Z and Drake still feel like they have to protest and not show up? That's a really good question. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really amazing question that I do not even have the slightest answer to. Um, But I I mean, I asked myself that same thing, right? Like, to me, Drake is built like genetically engineered, literally. With all his HGAs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally created in a lab to like win album of the year and like stand on top of the entire music industry's neck. I don't even know how many times Drake has been nominated for album of the year. Probably tons. I'm sure it's he's. I'm, I'm sure he's been up there every single year. I can't imagine a year when his album wasn't. Maybe the first one. Maybe. Yeah. But but from I feel like from take care on I feel like he's engineered to win that and still nothing. If you think about like commercial visibility, yes, one hundred percent. Thing is, Outkast was what they had the number one and number two song in the country leading yeah. up to the Grammy Awards. So you think about Drake's visibility; he's just as popular, but he never went as left. Like Drake plays it safe. Drake is right. Coca Cola, right? They changed the flavor a little bit, but it's still Coke. Mm-hmm. Coke is still selling. So he mm-hmm. wants to sell you Coke. I don't think the Grammys want to buy just Coke. You so think Hotline really, Bling was just Coke? Um, nah, uh-uh. But like views to me was like as close as it kind of got to Drake doing more like singing R&B and more pop stuff. I think it still seemed like a rap album to ears that wouldn't recognize how different Drake is. Like if you recognize Drake as a rapper, you play that album, you probably like, oh, this is like a rap album. It was definitely an album for people who could say, I don't like rap, but I like Drake. Drake. Yeah. Well, to me, speaker box and little below, I feel like you could say I like rap, but I also like a lot of other shit too. To me, like that album gave you a lot of different sounds, a lot of different things that can play with. So, I mean, based on this theory that you can't be just hip hop, Love Below and Speaker Box really captured how alternative rappers can be. But I don't know how many other rappers tend to try and get that far left and have the commercial claim to be album of the year nominated. Because mm. you kind of got to be both. That's why I'm interested in seeing how uh, Childish Gambino is going to do with Awaken My Love because. He does no rapping on the album. And it's as, you know, as close to his version of a Prince album as he can get. But it's also, I don't know if you would even consider it a hip hop album, though. Like, I don't think it would be nominated as a, or I don't know if we champion that as a rap album if he does win. I mean, I don't consider 808s a rap album. Mm. So I don't, I wouldn't consider. Awaken my love, love rap album either. Yeah, that's just me. I mean, I'm sure there's probably people that do, but it's. I mean, there's not a. There's, Kanye isn't doing enough rapping on 808s. He raps a little bit on Streetlights. He raps a little bit on. Uh, if you want to count Amazing, I guess yeah. as rap. Like my nightmares, you got the Wayne verse. Yeah, you get, yeah, you get the Wayne verse on. Yeah, on my nightmares. 
Nah, nah, not really a rap album. Yeah, no. to me, it's not really a, a rap album in that no. kind of way. I don't know what the proper, I don't know what to call it. I mean, I guess you could make it something general and say alternative hip hop or some version of that. But I think you have to to just call it a rap album. If you was like, play me a rap album and you played me 808s, <laughs> I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not what you want to play. Play me another rap album. You play me MOP and I'm like, that's not. That's not that. <laughs> 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 like, right, there's some sort of discrepancy. There's something, yeah, there's something no, in the middle sure. of these. That I, I can't yeah, just, very fair. Right, so it's like I don't with that part. Um, I don't know, but I mean, as far as how the album sounds, as far as Speaker Box and Love Below and how it sounds today, uh-huh. the thing I can always appreciate about Outkast and you know, I guess a lot of that is just coming from Atlanta is that they were never gonna ignore the wham. At least Big Boy wasn't gonna ignore the wham. Never. So, like, it shit still sounds good wherever you go uh-huh. because you can turn the shit up real loud and your vibe, your rearview mirror is gonna shake a little bit and you're gonna feel good and like, I didn't going through Big Boy's album like, and I think you're right about Speaker Box not getting obviously the credit that it's gonna deserve. But when you go through that album and you just let it run from top to bottom, good records all the way around, all the way board, through, just like good rap songs. So I. Shit. 15 years I mean it still stands the test of time to me yeah at least this far yeah for sure I think the only thing that didn't age well for me was like on the love below where I think uh Andre 3000 interpolates uh Aaliyah's aging nothing but a number and I'm like I'm like in this mute R. Kelly age absolutely not I I I, it's funny you said that because I thought this that is on um Pink and blue. Pink and blue. Yeah, pink and blue. And when I heard it, I was like, "Oh, damn! I forgot this was how it started." (laughs) I was like, "Shit!" That's the only thing that's like a little, like a touch off. But you know, Andre the Thousand being as reflective as he is, I'm sure he would. You know what that is? That That is bruised fruit. Like you ever found like a beautiful apple that you pick out? You see like this is a good ass apple. You turn around, look at it, and there's like a small little bruise on it. You're like, ah, it's still a good ass apple though. I'm gonna buy this apple. That's kind of yeah. But R. Kelly is the worm who gets the money. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Take it all the way there. Yes. That was yes. a great way to bring him in. <laughs> That's disgusting. That was the only way to reference R. Kelly in this conversation. In this conversation. Yeah. So disgusting. But yeah, I'm pretty sure if he could change that part, he would probably change that right now. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, so I guess all this sort of like begs the question, like, like looking back at this pivotal moment, like not just in hip hop, but for music at large, like, what do you think that moment kind of says about us, the South, and the world? The I know it's a big world. One. I know it's a big ass question. Um, what does it say about the South? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I, we talked about this a, a little bit last season. Or I, I made mention of this a little bit last season, but like, Atlanta is just. At some point, you're going to have to start calling Atlanta the mecca of hip-hop. Mm. It's just going to have to happen. And, I mean, the whole purpose of this conversation is obviously us celebrating this album. And this album is, like we said, still the only rap album to win album of the year. Now, like you said, I guess part of that goes back to what you're saying about, you know, traditional hip-hop and whether that is ever going to be recognized for 
what it is, on, you know, on that kind of level. But um, I don't know, man. Atlanta just still running shit out here, man. Y'all fucked up out here, man. I don't know what else to tell you, man. Like, this man is it so. Just, <laughs> it's just it, it is what it is. Well, <laughs> I'm not gonna agree with that all the way through. <laughs> oh, like I really, I really don't think you could just change meccas like that. Like you I feel like I don't think you can change meccas. I feel okay. like the birthplace should stay the birthplace, but we should acknowledge how. The South kind of rose up to build its own foundation, which, like, the Eiffel Tower is higher than the Statue of Liberty, in a sense. Like, we built something that, when you look at it, it it, it solidifies what the South means to hip-hop. It doesn't necessarily have to be, like, the South is this to hip-hop right now, but, like, I feel like that structure is always going to be there to represent so many artists and so many, like, just that time frame of where... Andre had to say the South had something to say. But it's like this, though. I'm tired of folks, you know what I'm saying? The closed-minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and nobody want to hear it, but it's like this, the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. Like, that was something he had to say to be acknowledged. You know, they couldn't even win an award without being booed, you know? Mm -hmm. They had to feel like... It is because it was from the outer, they were the out-of-towners. We were the out-of-towners. But look what we done built from being all the way out this way. And I think what the album really says about us is the world was ready for Andre and Big Boy to represent themselves apart, like separated from each other. I think sometimes with groups, you can get so tied to your partner that people cannot separate your, like who you are from who they are. You know, you'll always be tied together. This was their chance to be not broken up, but to be separated from that idea that they had to exist together. Like that, this album coexists without them ever touching the other side. You know, they don't overstay their welcome. They appear, they pop up, they do their thing, and then they allow their partner to continue, you know, representing themselves. So I feel like hip hop should definitely take note that you can be a team. You can be like the greatest team to ever play, but like you, there's room for you to also showcase who you are by yourself. And I think more artists need to figure out the best way of representing themselves within teams because this album proves that to us. Man. Mm. No, that's good. That's good. And I think by way of Andre 3000 and Big Boy, I wonder whether uh, Speaker Box and Love Below represents a widening of this spectrum, mm. um, a widening of our own like preconceived notions about what comes with being Southern. It's like, you know, they got booed at the Source Awards because I guess they felt like, oh, who are th what are these country bunkins doing on stage, right? So, like, you know, Speaker Box and Love Below is taking that question to the absolute most logical extreme, like, beyond, like, the AT aliens, like, beyond Stanconia, to be like, if you thought Southern hip-hop was this one single-ass thing in a Cadillac, we have to prove you wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nah, that's exactly it. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I think part of also what it says is that if you're going to, if you're going to attempt to do something like what they did with having a, a split album, you got to really like go hard at it. Like you said, it was it's pretty it's really ballsy for them to even attempt this in yeah. the first place. Right. And even and even in attempting it, they could have just said. 
here's one single at a time. Like, we'll do your single and then we'll do your single. Like, but to have both of these things going on at the same time is like, I mean, sometimes you have to step out and just believe that they weren't new artists at any, you know, by any stretch at that point, that they had obviously well established themselves as, um, you know, even international artists, but this was just something else. And I didn't even know there was another level to Outkast. <laughs> like you kind of exactly. thought, like a criminal might be, or Stankonia might be, like this is what it is. Like, like you get Miss Jackson, yeah, that's just the pinnacle of it. And for them to take it up another level than that is I mean, that's pretty impressive. And it, I, I don't think there's very many artists of any genre of music to level up that significantly in that kind of way after already being so successful. Mm-hmm, right. They gave you two ambitious ass albums with two wedding songs. Like, how <laughs> ah. hard is that? How can you do that? How is that possible? There are two wedding there songs. Two, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't think about yeah. it. Yeah. That's Me like neither. Yeah. You're lucky to get one. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're lucky to get one. Yeah. <laughs> in your so now career. I get married twice. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's all that means. I get married, divorced, and married yeah, again. Yeah. Change the sounds. You know what? <laughs> Whatever marriage lasts, that's the better album. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's that the one. Do. Yeah, yes. I feel like you cheat the Andre's album though. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't think your. I don't know if your marriage makes it through that one, buddy. That's yeah. the exact correct takeaway from the yeah, That's like I think, the I best think hot that. take. Like pink and blue, like you get yeah. her pregnant, she has a baby, like, and then at the end you're just wrapping your ass off because you don't have anything else to do. With your Why life. did you just? She it? took you everything. Is he even doing anything right now? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that's a great fan fiction too. Maybe Andre's yes. album is like based off a Jerry Springer episode that he saw. He just went into some. Because like, you know it was deep. supposed to be a movie. It originally what? was a soundtrack to a movie that was never made. But what if it was just a soundtrack to Jerry Springer? Well, it was supposed to take place in France, I believe. So I imagine more of like a black and white Woody Allen type affair. What but was I could he do a Maury. doing? Jerry. Maury Allen? Jerry Springer. <laughs> I like your show very much. Something to say is produced by Mike saying, we're going to get ourselves yeah, out of yeah. We got to go now. Yeah, he just broke out. Yeah, like, we got to yeah. go. Yeah. Is produced by Mike Saba. Please find us on. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Audio Mac. The number of platforms are growing at the moment. Um, I'm Christina. <laughs> I'm Yo. I am Ja. Bye. This is a savage service announcement. We have to show some solidarity in light of recent events. Um, with 21 Savage being arrested by ICE Sunday morning just before the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the ICE is alleging that uh, 21 Savage has been a UK native this whole time and that uh, he was illegally in the United States since 2005 and that he needs to be deported the hell out. I just, it's hard for me to even believe that this is an actual real news story. You should have seen this household when that broke. Because I was like, Mike, did you see this? And he's like yelling like across the house. What? Like On multiple levels. Rappers being arrested is one thing. But when I saw Ice, I guess that's the thing about it to me that didn't really make it funny. Is that like, and I'm a dickhead. Like I laugh at a lot of shit. But like, to me, when I saw Ice, I'm like, that's not funny because 
these motherfuckers are not playing. Like, like, yeah. and we already know that what what the current administration is on as far as immigrants and and really trying to like roll back a lot of the stuff that Obama did to open up immigration opportunities for people who were, especially people who were already here, but even people who wanted to come here. He used the system in a lot of ways to open up some of these opportunities and loopholes in ways that Trump really went out of his way to try to close down. So, like, when ICE comes for you, like, if nobody, if it was the FBI, nobody would be laughing. No. If you, if they said the FBI kicked in 21 Savage door and snatched him out of his bed, and, no one would be, it wouldn't be no memes. And mm-hmm. ICE is the feds. Like, let's be very clear about the what this feds. is. It's the feds, period. So like I just I don't know man, but like uh yeah no we definitely want to send uh you know positive thoughts and uh and prayers for Twenty One Savage and, and his family. Um, there's currently a petition going on online. Um, the petition is directed to the Icefield Office Director Sean Gallagher. Um, it's a petition that is looking for two hundred thousand signatures right now. They're at. At the time of this recording, they're at 191,525 signatures. So they're about 10,000 off, which it seems like they're going to get to pretty quickly. Um, the URL will be in the description for this show. Um, if you're looking for it online, uh, you can Google Organize4 or go to Organize4.org. And um, I think on their homepage, you will probably see there's somewhere there's a link on their homepage somewhere where you can go to the uh, specifically to the 21 Savage uh, petition. Um, if not, use the search bar. Everybody knows how to use the internet. Figure it out. But um, it's out there for you. Everyone, go sign up. Uh, yo, we support 21. We don't support Cap. Nope. That's big Cap. Big Cap.